one of my very best friends, his father is not a believer. We've been friends for a number of number of years. He went to the University of Georgia on a tennis scholarship. His family owns several banks throughout the Caribbean and in Toronto and England. And you may have seen their home because their home's been used in movies before. They're just uh, comes from a fabulously wealthy family. And his father said to him when he gave his heart to Christ and answered the call to preach the gospel, he called, he said, Jay, do you want to be poor? Do you want to be broke? Do you want to be miserable? That's what's going to happen if you follow Jesus. And today, 40 years later, Jay is still full of the joy of the Lord because he followed Jesus Christ. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? And then there are people who really, really, I mean, they're following Jesus, but if truth be known, maybe some of them didn't want you to be saved because I can promise you, if you've watched all of The Chosen and picked up on any of the themes there, Peter was hoping, because every good Jew was hoping, because as we've talked about before, there were publicans, there were sinners, there were prostitutes, and then at the very bottom of the list, there were tax collectors. And they were hoping that tax collectors would especially burn in hell because they were cooperating with the Romans and they were getting rich doing so. And Jesus looks at Peter, and I just, I can imagine this so easily, he says, get used to difference. How many of you are ready for some difference in your life? How many of you feel like you need something different in your life? Do you feel like you've been stuck in a rut? Do you feel like maybe your finances are not going where you want them to go? Do you feel like maybe your marriage is stuck in a rut or your career is stuck in a rut? Or maybe you even feel like if you're a student and you're watching online, you're kind of stuck in a rut and your grades aren't getting any better. And you really wish life could change and you wish there could be a difference in your life. Well, I've got good news for you this morning. Jesus is saying to you, get used to difference because God wants to do something different in your life. Now, if you're, if you're kind of smug and if you're kind of self-satisfied and you think, well, there's nothing in my life that needs to be changed, maybe you need to be up here doing the preaching this morning because we could all learn from you, Brother Perfect. We could all learn from you, Mother Perfection, because nothing in your life needs to change. But if you're like me, there's been over and over and over where God's had to do a work in my life and Dennis has had to change. If you're like that, would you say amen this morning? All of us go through periods of time and change is good when change is all about fulfilling the will of God in your life. So would you stand with me this morning and I want to go to a very interesting passage from the, from the book of uh, Matthew this morning. Well, actually, I used Mark because it was shorter. But here's what God's Word says. They entered Capernaum. When the Sabbath arrived, Jesus lost no time in getting to the meeting place, to church. And you know, I just want to say this. It's time to come back to church. It's time to quit isolating yourself. It's time to quit being by yourself. It's time to quit telling yourself it's okay. The Bible tells us that we should be a gathering together like this, even more as we see the day approaching. And the folks that are gathered here this morning, we've encouraged one another by worshiping the Lord, haven't we? 
we've, we've encouraged one another through fellowship this morning, haven't we? There's something about the church gathering together that honors God and bears witness to the lost world that Jesus Christ has done something in our lives and it really, really matters. Every car in that parking lot is a witness this morning. Sometimes I wish the parking was never behind the church and it was all in front of the church because it's a witness. Your, your singing, your worship is a witness to the world. So they, Jesus lost no time and it's time for you to hurry up and get back to church. He spent the day there teaching. They were surprised at his teaching. So forthright, so confident. Has anybody ever asked you why you're so confident about your faith? So forthright, so confident, not quibbling and quoting like the religion scholars. Suddenly, while still in the meeting place, now listen, he's in church or synagogue. Suddenly, while he's in the meeting place, he was interrupted by a man who was deeply disturbed and yelling out, what business do you have with us, Jesus Nazarene? I know what you're up to. You're the Holy One of God, and you've come to destroy us. Jesus shut him up, quiet, get out of him, and the afflicting spirit threw the man into spasms, protesting loudly, and got out, and everyone there was incredulous, buzzing with curiosity. Now, let me ask you a question. Just be honest. How many of you, if somebody showed up here and started screaming blasphemies, blasphemies about the Lord, you'd kind of feel a little bit squeamish about that? Isn't it amazing who shows up for church sometime? Sometimes the people that you think shouldn't show up for church, they show up for church, and then Jesus takes over and casts the devil out of them, and something brand new happens in their life. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? I mean, never, ever, ever underestimate what can happen when we come together as a church. Well, everyone's buzzing with curiosity. What's going on here? A new teaching that does what it says. Read that with me. A new teaching that does what it says. One more time. A new teaching that does what it says. I watched something just recently that somebody says, you really got to watch this. You got to make this investment. And so I watched this little short video of such tremendous claims. And then they told me if I would invest $5,000, what was going to happen? And I thought to myself, if it was that great, you wouldn't have to be paying for video time to convince me to invest $5,000. By the way, if you've got $5,000, you're blessed already. Can you say amen to that? So anyway, they're, they're buzzing what's going on here, a new teaching that does what it says. He shuts up defiling, demonic spirits, and sends them packing. News of this traveled fast and was soon all over Galilee, and directly on leaving the meeting place, when they left church, something good happens after you go to church. Something good happens after you go to church. Directly on leaving the meeting place, they came to Simon and Andrew's house, accompanied by James and John, and Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed, burning up with fever. Notice these three words, they told Jesus. Say those words with me. They told Jesus. Say it again. They told Jesus. What have you told Jesus this morning? What have you shared with Jesus this morning? They told Jesus, and he went to her. Now, this is what happens when you share with Jesus. He went to her, took her hand, raised her up, and no sooner had the fever left than she was up fixing dinner for them. This is how I know we're going to talk Southern when we get to heaven. She's not cooking dinner. She's fixing dinner. Can you say amen to that? 
She's fixing dinner for them. And that evening after the sun was down, they brought sick and evil afflicted people to him. The whole city lined up at his door. He cured their sick bodies and tormented spirits. And because the demons knew his true identity, he didn't let them say a word. And while it was still night, way before dawn, he got up and went out to a secluded spot and prayed. And Simon and those with him went looking for him. And they found him and said, read it with me, everybody's looking for you. Can you say it again? Everybody's looking for you. Jesus, I ask you to invade this place. I ask you to invade our hearts. I ask you, Holy Spirit, search us this morning and show us, Lord, where something different needs to happen. God, help us to get ready for something different, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. I was on my way to church this morning, and I got a text message from one of our city leaders. And in my, the text message, he was inviting me to an event this afternoon. And I appreciated the invitation, and I thought to myself, wonder what would happen if every Sunday morning you and I, a couple of hours early, were to start sending out text messages to come church and to come to worship, to tell somebody something different is happening, especially during this series that I'm going to be preaching about on something different. I wondered what would happen if you and I had the courage to just share with our friends and our neighbors. I, when I walked out, I, I did what I always do. I pray for my neighbors around me on my way to church this morning, some who go to other churches, some who don't go to church. One neighbor that every Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, he is bowing before his idol as he's digging the weeds out of his yard, and he's, he's feeding his idol as he's keeping the most perfectly manicured yard. I wave at him, I smile, I tell him that his idol looks good, but one day he's going to be buried beneath that idol or someplace like it, not having come to Jesus Christ yet. So I wonder what would happen if you and I were to tell everybody what Jesus was doing, if we were to get off our duffs and quit making excuses for why we can't when maybe I'm too shy or whatever, but anybody can send a text message. You see, I think if we want to get ready for something different in our life, we've got to take God's Word seriously and start taking ourselves less seriously. I think we have to take God's Word seriously and take ourselves less seriously. It's amazing as a pastor, even sometimes how I can take myself so serious. And when I'm talking with people so many times, they're taking themselves so serious. But when I bring the Word of God to bear on whatever the issue is, so many times, well, I know that. I've read that. I know that. And I said, but have you ever really thought about it? Have you ever acted upon it? Have you ever done what this says? Have you ever really meditated upon this? Well, no, not really. That's what happens when we take ourselves seriously and we don't take God's Word seriously. We pay homage to it. We say we believe it. We, we have a dozen copies of it perhaps at home. We come to church, but we take ourselves so seriously that even our prayers are more centered on ourselves than there are for others. Even our, our time of studying is more centered what can I get out of this and what can I share and how can I bring bread to other people. You can trust the Word historically. 
We've went over this so many times. You can trust the word historically. If the Bible was going to be this myth that was written, it would have never told you about all the bad things that happened in the heroes' lives. It would have never told you, for instance, that Jesus was going to look at these apostles that sometimes we make super saints out of. They were not. They were just like you and me, except they had been born again. They had experienced Jesus. They were filled with this Holy Spirit. They answered God's call. But Jesus told us things like, you're all going to forsake me, which they did. Sometimes they had to correct one another, which happened, and the Bible tells us all about it. We know that culturally it's very relevant. There's nothing that happens in there that's culturally wrong. C.S. Lewis even said about the Bible and his whole uh, perspective and his whole concentration and study was on mythology. That's what he was famous for as an academic. And his book on myths is one of the best books I've ever read before about mythology. But C.S. Lewis says whenever you read the Bible as someone that has studied mythology, it's just so obvious and so plain to anyone that would take time to read the Bible. This is not mythology. This is history. This is truth. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? This is truth. I'm exercising. I shared this in the prayer service last night, but I'm exercising this week, and I have this thought. I says, Lord, thank you that you've given us your word. You've given us wisdom of how to live. You've, you've showed us where we came from, where we're going. You showed us the origin of all things and what's going on. Thank you for wisdom that is beyond this world and that we don't live superstitiously. We don't live bounded by science alone, for your word gave us science, and because of your word, we can go where science has never gone before. Let's give him another hand of praise this morning. And that's what true scientists believe. So look at this passage again from Mark 127. What's going on here? It almost sounds like a Marvin Gaye song, doesn't it? What's going on here? A new teaching that does what it says. Let's say that again together. A new teaching that does what it says. I seriously have doubts that my $5,000 would return over a hundred times fold to me like the speaker on that brief video that somebody asked me to watch this week. I seriously doubt that it would do 20 times over. I just don't have any confidence in another YouTube salesman online. And this morning, I hope that you will hear me this morning. If you will try God's word, if you will put God to the test, God's word will always do exactly what it says. If you need deliverance, God will deliver you. If you need healing, God will heal you. If you need saving, God will save you. If you need a fresh start in life, God will give you a fresh start because he says so and he keeps his word through Jesus Christ. Let's give him another hand of praise this morning. Come on, victory. Secondly, maybe you're like me this morning. You've just been asking God to do something different in your life. Maybe you do. You feel kind of stuck. You're kind of in a rut. Well, go to Jesus and talk to Jesus about where you're stuck at. Maybe you feel stuck, like I said earlier, in your marriage. Maybe you feel stuck in life. Maybe you've retired and retirement is not what you thought it would be. Or maybe this morning you feel stuck spiritually. You feel like you've reached this plateau. I remember hearing Dr. Billy Graham say when I was a student at Southeastern University, I can remember Dr. Billy Graham saying, you know, there are the times in my life where I climb 
And then there are times in life where I'm on a plateau. And he's speaking in a major crusade. He says, and to be honest with you, some of those plateaus have been longer than other plateaus. And when I feel like they've gotten too long, I pray and I ask God, show me where to climb. Show me where to move higher. Talk to Jesus this morning about what it is that needs to be different. Isaiah chapter 43 says this, stop dwelling on the past. Can I say stop dwelling on your past sins? Jesus' blood has covered them and you've been forgiven. Stop dwelling on past rejections. Anybody that rejected you in the past, they're not, they're not worth worrying over. Can I say that again? Any boyfriend that dumped you, any girlfriend that dumped you, any husband that dumped you, any wife that dumped you, any parent that rejected you, like someone told me this week about their parents rejecting them, they're not worth worrying over. The Bible says stop dwelling on the past. Don't even remember those forms things. I am doing something brand new, something unheard of, and even now it sprouts, grows, and matures. Read that with me. Even now it sprouts, grows, and matures. I didn't hear you, so let's try it again. Say it loudly. Even now it sprouts, grows, and matures. Remember those three words, sprouts, grows, and matures. God plants a seed in your heart like Becky's little tomato vine, and it begins to grow, and as it grows, you rejoice in the growth, but when it's being fruitful, it's matured, and you are so thankful. God is doing something in your life different, in our church different, in our community different, and I believe even in our nation, it's going to sprout, it's going to grow, it's going to mature all to the glory of God. Somebody say amen this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thirdly, I'd say be specific about what needs to be different. Be specific about what needs to be different. You say, Pastor, I can actually tell God what I think needs to be different in my life? Oh, absolutely. If I feel like my prayers have kind of become stale, I, I say, Lord, I need you to revive my prayer life. I'm coming to you. I feel like maybe I've gotten in a rut praying about the same old, same old. Or, or maybe you feel like your Bible reading has gotten stale. Or maybe something just needs to be in your home, your family. Maybe your kids are all tied into their, their devices and their television. They don't want family time anymore because our devices have such a way of addicting us and hooking us that we don't talk anymore. We don't just sit there and have conversation. We don't even know how to make small talk anymore. We know how to text back and forth about inane stuff. But something different maybe needs to happen in your home or with your grandchildren. Look at what I, Nehemiah, Nehemiah was frightened. Nehemiah was involved in a great work. Nehemiah was frightened and Nehemiah felt the pressure. Now look, he felt the pressure from those that wanted him to stop doing what God had called him to do. Nehemiah is one of the greatest leadership books in the Bible. He felt the pressure of people wanting him to change course. He felt the pressure of people wanting him to change vision. He felt the pressure of people saying, we don't need to do this. We're going to cause problems if we do this. And Nehemiah prayed in Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 9, I prayed, but now God, make me strong. I've got a feeling that some of you know what needs to change in your life. I've got a feeling that some of you could be very specific. Maybe there's some habits that need to change in your life. Maybe there's some intrusive thoughts that have been popping into your mind and you haven't been able to get rid of them and those intrusive thoughts need to be cast out or cast down or cast off. 
and like you're like you're not demon possessed but your body your life now listen don't miss this your body according to the scripture is kind of like a house that's the reason that Jesus talks about casting down casting off and casting out. We cast down those intrusive thoughts. We cast off those sins that easily entangle us. And Jesus can come along and cast out whatever fears, whatever torments, and even if a lost person is struggling with a demonic spirit, God can come along and cast that out. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? You say, Pastor, where did that come from? That all came from the word of the Lord, from the one little passage I read to you. And I've given you kind of a little chart here to look at this morning. Maybe some things need to change spiritually. Look at the chart with me. It should be on your outline. It should be on the screen as well. Maybe intellectually you need God to do something different in you. Maybe emotionally God needs to do something. Your emotions are not what they should be. You find yourself up and down. You find yourself fearful or timid. Maybe financially there are some things that need to change. You're in debt, but you've been in denial about it. You can make the minimum monthly payments and you're not making any progress and you you know the future's coming and retirement's coming. Maybe you're not even tithing and giving and the, the enemy is eating up your resources because you haven't put God first and God says, I will allow the enemy to devour your resources if you don't put me first. If you put me first, I'll open the windows of heaven upon you. Maybe there are some relational things. Maybe you're in a relationship or you're considering a relationship Nobody else knows about it, but you're considering a relationship. That's one of the things about our phones we have to be careful of. People contact us, people send us pictures, and people do things. Somebody sent me an inappropriate picture in our community, and so the first thing I did is I went and showed it to my wife, and my wife said, well, she's very pretty, isn't she? I go, yeah. She says, she needs to put on some clothes, doesn't she? And I said, yeah. She says, so what are you going to say to her? I said, I'm going to tell her I'll let you see this. And guess what? I never heard from her ever single again. Matter of fact, she's no longer my friend on Facebook. Matter of fact, she is no longer my friend on Instagram. And do you know what? I'm thankful for that. And just in case you're interested, Becky and I deleted the picture. So here's the thing I'm telling Maybe it's relational because these come, things come along. Because I'll tell you what I told Becky. I said, I got to tell you, I felt somewhat flattered. I mean, here I am. I'm an old man. And this young woman sends me this picture with this suggestive text. There was a part of my fallen nature there. Ho, 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 I still got it. Don't you look so pious and holy at me. I've done a lot of pastoral counseling through the years. You see, the enemy always has this way of creeping in. And there are some things that need to change. And so I went to the Lord. I said, Father, I am so sorry for this that part of me that it was just tempted. I was flattered by that. Help me not to be so insecure. You know, if my belly gets paunchy, if my cheeks get saggy, if my hair falls out, I am still loved by God and I'm still loved by Becky. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. I told somebody this morning, pray for me because I feel like I'm going to get out of control. This is burning in my soul. And there's just a whole number of things. Now, I'm going to say it again. If you look at this chart in your outline or on your app, and you go, there's nothing there that needs to change in my life, you need to be up here. Because you're saying, basically, I'm perfect. You're saying basically there's nothing that God needs to do different. And if you notice, there's one little blank box in that table that I put in. 
Because it may be I didn't list the area that God needs to do something different in. I listed something there very specific. I said, God, here's an area where I'm asking you to make me strong. I'm struggling right here, Lord. I'm struggling. And, I wrote, and it's, it's no one's business except for Becky's. And you don't have to share everything. As a matter of fact, I told somebody earlier this week, be careful of sharing your vision too soon because people will try to do a spiritual abortion on you. Be sure you take and you get very specific before the Lord this week. Number four, surround yourself with encouraging friends. Friends, this takes humility. To surround yourself with encouraging friends that you can say, this area needs to change. Let's just say you're struggling, struggling today. Maybe you're struggling vocationally. Maybe you don't feel like you're making any progress in your job. And you just, sometimes it takes humility to say, I'm not getting better at my job. I'm falling behind in my job. I can't keep up. Maybe you're struggling physically. Like one of the men in our church told me, he says, Pastor, pray for me. If the Lord doesn't heal me, I'm going to have to take a medical retirement and I don't want to retire. Like someone else told me in our congregation, this is a mechanic, not Vito, but someone else in our congregation, this mechanic, and says, Pastor, pray for me. Said arthritis has become so bad in my hands. I can barely grip my wrenches anymore. And he says, I'm falling behind. Maybe you're going through something avocationally. You know, you've gotten involved in a, in a civic uh, uh, project. You've gotten involved in a ministry outside the church or somewhere else. And maybe it's taken you places you didn't dream you would go and you need God to do something different in your life. But get specific, but surround yourself with encouraging friends that you can open up. If you're in debt, I can't think of anything better to have a small group that you can trust. Let me say it again. A small group that you can trust. What happens in small group stays in small group. Can you say that with me? What happens in small group stays in small group. And I pray a curse from God upon the person that would take anything out of a small group and share it with it. Don't take what I'm saying lightly. I pray that all the time. God, if anybody ever breaks covenant, if anybody ever breaks covenant with their small group, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will bring judgment upon them until they repent and let their small group and the person they've offended. When somebody trusts you and makes themselves vulnerable to you, there's no higher compliment that can be given to you as an individual or to you as a friend. And let me tell you something else. There's no higher compliment that you can give to somebody else than to take their vulnerabilities to the Lord in prayer and say, God, set my friend free. Deliver them. Tear the roof off the house if you have to and deliver them. Listen to what? There's a wonderful book. I'd recommend it to you called 11 by Lynn Sweet. A Barnabas, as you know, Barnabas was the son of encouragement in the New Testament. A Barnabas is someone to hold up those tired and weary arms. Someone to add a hand when you rarely or barely hear the sound of one hand clapping. Someone who gives you permission to fail, permission to write a bad first draft. Someone who can remind you that God gives us a portion adequate for us to make it through the day. Someone who, when life takes your breath away and you hold it in, will slap your back and inspire you with the enlivening spirit that makes you want to 
breathe again. Someone who will lift you up when you're road whipped, world weary, bone tired, blood thin, when you feel buttonholed and brown beaten. Someone who encourages you when you're tempted to think that the only difference between yogurt and the church you're part of is that the yogurt has active living culture. Isn't that a great line? Isn't that a great line? And I want you to know, Woodland is so much better than yogurt. Somebody say amen this morning. There's something alive and happening in our congregation. Look at Proverbs 13 and verse 2. If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Walk with the wicked, and you'll eventually become like them. Walk with the critical, you'll eventually become like them. Walk with the naysayers, you'll eventually become like them. Walk with the negative, faithless people, you'll eventually become like them. But if you'll walk with the wise, the Bible says you will eventually become like them. So let me just give you three things quickly on how you can find wise and encouraging friends. Number one, read your Bible. Because if you read your Bible, you're going to see the qualities that true friends have. A friend sticketh together. A friend sticketh to you closer than a brother. A friend was born for a time of trouble. Look at me right here. If a friend won't stay with you when you've done wrong or when you're in trouble, they're not a friend. That doesn't mean the friend says, they're there, that's okay. But a friend will pat you on the shoulder and say, hey, that wasn't okay. I love you. We're going to walk through. We're going to get through this together. Can you say amen? A friend sticks by your side. Secondly, ask God to show you positive and wise friends. God will answer that prayer. He has for me through the years. And then thirdly, when you pray, anticipate a positive answer to your prayers. Look at 2 Timothy 1 and verse 16 with me. May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me and he was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. Onesiphorus was a wise friend. He was a godly friend. He was a friend born for a time of trouble. He was a friend that stuck close to uh, Paul like a brother, but he was also a friend that bought the blessings of God upon his own house. When you're that kind of friend, you're asking God to bless your home. Can we give him one more hand of praise this morning? Well, finally, and I do mean it this morning, finally, let go of every limiting belief in your life and be different. Let go. Some of you, your daddy told you you were never going to amount to nothing and you believed it. Some of you, your mother told you you were too lazy to ever do good and you believed it. Some of you, you failed maybe two or three times and now you've believed a, life about, a lie about your life that you're a failure. Some of you, you've tried in times past to complete a degree or you've tried to build a marriage and your marriage failed and you felt so ashamed and you've never had any hope of starting over again. Those are limiting beliefs. So what I want you to do, now look at me, don't miss this. I want you to get very, very specific about what needs to be different. If you sit here this morning and say, well, I need a better life. That's not what needs to be different. That's a good thing, a better life. If you say, I need a better marriage, that's a good thing, but it's not what needs to be different. If you say, I want a better relationship with my children, that's a good thing, 
But it's not what needs to be different. I've shown you this morning from God's Word, and we're going to spend the rest of this month looking at getting ready for different. How God can take a Matthew at the bottom of the list, his neighbors, his own family, looked at him, he was beneath the prostitutes, He was beneath the publicans. He was beneath the sinners. He was at the very gates of hell. Now the Romans liked him. But I mean, do you really want your best friend to be Adolf Hitler? Do you really want your best friend to be Putin, who's murdering all kinds of Ukrainians? Is that who you want to be your best friend? Are you going to listen to the Putins? Are you going to listen to the devil? Are you going to listen to your lost friends? So what needs to be different? Do you need to be more peaceful? Do you need to stop worrying? Do you need to stop being stingy? Do you... You need a pure heart and a pure mind. What needs to change? And that's why you need to spend time with that little table and these verses this week and know that God is the God of the impossible. And don't let me, don't let Simon Peter, don't let James or John Stop you from following Christ. Don't let religious people, don't let church people. Because what Jesus is saying to us as a congregation this morning is get used to different. Jesus, there are six days a week you can heal, but don't you heal on the Sabbath. Jesus says, extend your arm. Bam, he heals him. Jesus There are plenty of women that can minister to this woman. Jesus kneels down and he starts scribbling in the sand. They all flee and Jesus does something different. Instead of stoning a woman, he forgives her. Jesus, we don't touch unclean people. There are certain people that God says we don't touch. And Jesus puts his hands on the face of a leper that hasn't felt a human hand in decades and instantly and completely heals him. We don't have time for children. As a matter of fact, they're a liability, so we can abort them if they get in the way of our plans. We can abort them and move on with life. And Jesus sits down and calls the little children to him, puts them in his lap, and he blesses them and he lays hands upon them, the Bible says. Oh, yeah. And one more thing. He takes the Simon Peters. And he takes the Johns and the James, the sons of thunders. And he turns them into the apostles of the Holy Spirit and the apostles of love. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me this morning? 
And I want you to read this next verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18. I want you to read it with conviction out loud with me. It's what God says about you that makes the difference. Is it on the screen? Let's say it together. It's what God says about you that makes a difference. Now say it with some passion. It's what God says about you that makes a difference. Emphasize the name God next. It's what God says about you that makes a difference. Emphasize you now. It's what God says about you that makes a difference. And now I want you to emphasize that word difference. It's what God says about you that makes a difference. And now there's one more word, and it's the best word up there. Because the God that spoke heaven and earth into existence, the God who put the stars in the sky, the God who spoke the trees and the fish and the animals into the air, the God that when he speaks, creative, powerful things happen. It's what God says about you that makes a difference. Would you emphasize that this morning? It's what God says about you that makes a difference. Somebody give him a hand of praise right now. Mm, 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 mm. bow your heads with me and if you're watching online would you bow your heads this morning if you're driving don't bow your heads just agree with me in prayer I want you right now just to say God I need something different to happen in my life now if you're not sure what needs to happen, just say, God, would you please show me what needs to be different in my life? Just say it to him. Say, God, show me what needs to be different in my life. And maybe you're praying with me this morning and you just feel bogged down. Maybe you looked at that table and you went, every single area, even the blank space. Maybe you just need to pray, Lord, I need a total do-over. Would you pray that with me? Father, I need a total do-over. Spiritually, emotionally, financially, intellectually, relationally, marital, family, vocational, avocational. Lord, I need a total do-over in my life. And now while everyone is still praying with me, if you've never given your heart to Jesus or maybe you've backslid, you know what I mean when I say that. You've turned away from Christ. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord, I need to be born again. I need to be different. That all things are passed away. That all things can become new. Forgive my sins. Thank you. Thank you for giving your life to me. And as much as I know how, 
I surrender to you today. In Jesus' holy name I pray. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. May He smile upon everything you do. And may everybody see the difference that Jesus has made in you and made in me and in our church.